The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being here on our show and being with us. We're just delighted that you follow our show. We've been getting people from all over the world checking in and tuning in. As stated earlier in the commercial, I do want to urge you to call in 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555, because we really love the interactive part of it, and you have a prime opportunity to be able to talk to these amazing authors and other guests that we have on our show. You know, being an intentional spirit is such a great call to life. It is actually a way of life. And I always like to make the distinction. There's a big difference between people who have good intentions. There's many people that are out there today that are talking about the the book they're going to write. They're talking about the exercise program they're going to be doing or whatever. But they live in waiting mode, waiting on everything else to fall in place. So they have the time or the situations in which to do that. Intentional people like our guest today move forward, take steps ahead regardless of external circumstances. Welcome to our show today, Kate Jagetti. I'm so delighted that you're here. Thank you for your commitment to teaching people about infinite possibilities. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, I received a copy of your book, and I, I, just, I just love it. It's entitled Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. I think it's important, first of all, to let people know, uh, how did Kate get to be Kate? <laughs> you know, what is, what is your life path been about, and how have you discovered uh, the journey of being an intentional spirit? So I was thinking about just that question today, which is really fascinating to me before coming on air. And I would say that as a child, um, I was a child that was very, I like to say, independent rather than isolated so that I didn't really need the company of other people. I was always very, very happy in the company of my own thoughts and ideas And I found that I was a child that was very imaginative in the way we understand um, imaginative uh, imaginativeness to to function. I would be always thinking about 
things that I couldn't see, if you like. And as a very young child, about four or five, and my mother first started sort of introducing us to books through reading to us, it was interesting because at the time we hadn't noticed this, but she was making new thought philosophy a very uh, normal part of that. So um, our library at home had all the classical children's stories, but it also had books by people like Florence Scovel Shin and people like that. So um, I became familiarized with these concepts and I enjoyed them as a child, even though I didn't understand them. And I grew up in very much the normal way, school and friends and all of that. And then also in my life, there was um, the added layer of religion. So I was going to church and Sunday school and all of that kind of thing. But none of that actually um, made me deviate from this path that I had, that there was something more to me than I could see. I was aware of myself as a human being, but I was aware of something that was greater than my humanity that was actually informing the way I engaged my humanity. And I knew that as a, as a very young child. As a teenager, when I struggled with the, sort of the, the rigors of church life, my mother gave me um, Neville Goddard's book, Five Lessons, and I just fell upon it. I devoured everything Neville read because of the way it made me feel. That's my first experience of this work. And um, through responding to the way that this work made me feel, I've come to understand that a lot of what I do now is happening through me. So I was very concerned about having to, how do I explain myself to people? But I realize now that there's nothing to explain. I, I accept fully that there are just people in the world that are, have been selected to shepherd their brothers and sisters in this global community through different dis, uh, discoveries about themselves. So some people will invent programs, and as you were mentioning at the top of the show, but there are others who are going to help us understand these inborn qualities that we all possess. And I recognize that that is who I am. The thing for me um, where the intention came in was that I was never going to um, be a hindrance to that work taking place in the world and that I was going to do it to the absolute best of my ability. So it's been this continuum through childhood and adolescence into my young adulthood and to the person I am now that I am just somebody who is here to serve um, my, my global community. That's a very powerful story, and it it reminds me of many stories and it meaning uh, of intentional people, and it reminds me of my of my own story. Um, I I found it very interesting. Just last week, I went to a funeral in the Carolinas in a very small area, very small. Uh, did I say small? Very small, <laughs> where I where I grew up, and. Um, and so what was interesting is I was seeing people I hadn't seen in, you know, 40 years. And and so the the statements were, um, you know, well, you were over overweight back then or you uh, were a, kind of a jock and a tom girl back then. And it was just I found that so interesting um, because all these years later that those kind of comments, it's like. They they have very little to do with me at all. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. what we understand, and that's why books like yours are so important, is that when you're around people that they don't have certain gifts and abilities, they can't see what you have either. You know, it's kind of like asking someone that's colorblind to be able to look at you and see that fuchsia is your favorite color. You know, so... And yeah. it, it is that kind of thing of uh, people like you and me through those early years 
of not really having those kind of mirrors of understanding. And it's so refreshing when you live long enough that none of that matters anymore, isn't it? <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, I feel the exact same way. So um, here you were, and, and you were fortunate uh, because you had uh, the kind of mom that would hold for you different possibilities. And that is uh, very, very powerful that she wanted you to be broader and more educated. And did you find um, at times that having the metaphysical education, was it at times more challenging uh, to see what was going on around you and not really wondering why people lived in such boxes or in limitations? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I, I would describe that experience as going through a transition. So at the start of it, I was very troubled by the way that the world operated. And I, I used to ask my mom so many questions about the world. Why were people the way they were? Why did things happen the way they happened? And at one point, I thought, okay, well, maybe it's me being me in the body I'm in, in the skin I'm in, that's making me sensitive to these issues. And that perhaps if I were someone else, I wouldn't be as sensitive but as I began to really get to grips with living imaginatively in, the, in a metaphysical context, um, all of that started to fall into place and to make sense. So I, I, I suddenly had a reason for suffering in the way that I did. I, I mean, I, I don't mean to diminish people's um, experiences by saying, referring to what I went through as suffering, but it was very, very difficult and challenging to kind of feel that you didn't belong anywhere and that you couldn't quite, as you were saying, see yourself reflected anywhere in anything that was going on. And although I did love all the normal sort of girly, pity things or whatever it might be, all the sort of normal things that children enjoy, I was always aware that I felt very, very different and that I would say things sometimes that made my friends look at me in a, with a sort of a peculiar, <laughs> sort of quizzical look. I think, what on earth is she talking about? And I think for a young person, I was not embarrassed to talk about God and spirit and there's more to it and there's more to life. And also uh, to be a young person who wasn't afraid of death because I had a very, um, I, I loved what Neville taught about death and, and transition and this idea of us showing up and, and, and our showing up being part of this greater or more divine education that we go through. So yes, I would say at times it was certainly more challenging to have the perspective on life that I had, but when I came out on the other side, it all made sense. Well, you give um, such uh, great examples about transformation and an end to suffering and, you know, some very powerful techniques and tools to, to work with. Um, when you were making a reference earlier of that, you learn the five things, uh, would you be willing to share some of those with us today and for us to converse about those? I definitely want to urge everyone to go to your Facebook. It's Catherine Jagetti. That's J-E-G-E-D-E -E -E, author. Catherine Jagetti. J-E-G-E-D-E, -E -E, author. On Facebook, you can also go to my Facebook and you can find out how to link in with her. But you definitely, I would urge everyone to delve into the book, Infinite Possibility. But 
what were some of those key things that you had those early on aha moments? So for me, it was understanding what this other part of myself was. And so we we are taught in life that our imagination is a faculty of the human mind that enables us to perceive things as real. But what Neville was teaching me was that your imagination was actually the source creator. And oh, some people refer to this as consciousness and that as we're born into the world, we forget about our original source or we forget about the substance that we are. And what we have to do through the process using the techniques that he teaches us through the process of remembering is reestablish a connection between our humanity and this source creator And in doing that, we then position ourselves, reposition ourselves as the creator of our own experiences. Now, some people find this a little bit confusing when you say create your own reality because they think that involves manipulating the physical world around us. But if you think of the world as a schoolroom and you cast yourself in the role of a student, then all of the props, all of the physical world around us is the context through which we make these discoveries about ourselves. So for me, the the earliest connection was, the earliest thing I discovered was that there was a real tangible connection between what I was thinking, what I was feeling, what I was focusing on, and what I was experiencing. Now, there are far too many variables in nature to say that a feeling of sadness is going to show up in this physical event. There's just so many different ways in which sadness can show up, but if I felt sad, then some event was going to confirm that feeling to me. And if I felt good, then another physical event was going to confirm that feeling, that positive feeling for me. And so what I discovered was that as I controlled the way I was feeling, I was able to control my experiences. And this could be anything from seeing shifts in relationships with people that I thought I couldn't change or making breakthroughs when I was younger at school and then later on when I was starting to work. um, I would be able to do things that other people couldn't do or get positions that would otherwise have been out of my reach. It was wonderful to make that discovery. And what I encourage people to do is through the techniques that I I talk about in the book is to start to establish that connection between their human selves and their authentic selves. And this is something that's entirely possible to do. And one of the things I want to say about it is that this is not my idea. This is something that I am just able to guide people to do. This is something that we are all born with. Until we make that that, uh, connection between our humanity and our authentic selves, our consciousness, if you like, we're just going to continue rolling along, um, being buffeted by the the way the world operates and all of the systems that run and and function in the world. And I think for me, being able to control what happened to me quite literally I think that was perhaps the most significant thing that happened to me on my journey. Wow. I, that's so powerful what you're saying. And, you know, it's like often when, um, whether someone relates to scripture or not, um, I tend to be one that I pick my favorite pieces uh, that actually become a story that I can use and integrate and has some type of practical application But one of the things that I work with a lot, uh, Kate, and I'm hearing that you do as well, is that may I have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. You see, for me, that's not talking about the five senses. I, I think that that is where so many people in the human self 
like you're talking about, where so much of the energy goes is, you know, whatever my eyes show me, that's what I respond or react to. Whatever somebody says or, or what I hear from that, that's what I respond to. Where really, when you're talking the difference between and the distinction between being a human self, a person that is literally programmed. Um, I was in a very small area, as I alluded to earlier, you know, and you call a store and immediately on the recording, um, before you can get through to anybody, it's telling you about all the shots you need and the discounts that you can get on your medication. That's programming, isn't it? Absolutely. That's our, that's programming and people are just being programmed and they're so unaware of how they're being programmed. And it's just uh, going into our consciousness all the time. You know, we're hearing language. And like you were saying, um, we are born wide open, ready to go with all these gifts and all these possibilities. And then depending on um, who saw us, who didn't see us, then we became programmed about certain things and people we were going to be like and, you know, our DNA and, you know, all of those kind of things. And, but that authentic self becomes a person that learns to see what most people don't see. And it can be body language. It can be the, the, it can be understanding the signs of what is going on around you um, it could be hearing from a way of the pauses in conversation and language, hesitancy, and all those kind of things. And to me, that's where the rich is in life. That's that's that rich part that you're talking about. And I, I just wanted to add my two cents to that that distinction because that helps me a lot between I'm a human and, oh, I committed to do this, whatever that was, and I'm still going to do it because I made a commitment and, you know, blah, 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 versus my inner listening is telling me not to do this and that it wouldn't serve my authentic self. Is that, am I going in the right direction? Is Absolutely. That, I mean, I'm sitting here with a huge smile on my face because you are literally telling your the audience what this philosophy is in a nutshell. You use a very, very important term practical application. I think if people understand that and begin to engage this philosophy in that way, it's going to transform their lives. If you are able to read a document like the Bible, which is for me the most important book in creation, and know how to practically apply what the Bible is telling you, because you understand what it's telling you, it's going to open up all of those faculties that you've just described. And you've just put it beautifully Temple, you've just said exactly what I'm all about. It's about not just believing the evidence of the five senses, but actually closing your eyes, which is a huge part of the, the exercise when you're actually performing the exercises, shutting out the evidence of the five senses, and then operating as mind or the formless. And that's why, you know, um, I love doing this show. And that's why I love being you know, with people like you, because we're not coming from a place of you sent me 25 questions and I'm reading them. I could never do a show like that because we are just, we're allowing. And just as your book teaches people how to do, that's what we're doing out loud uh, here on the air. You're in one part of the world and I'm in another part. And yet we are tuning in uh, to 
a different space that allows a deeper connection of that particular space. So when you are looking at uh, an individual that, you know, is more into practicing being a human, are you, I would like you to elaborate on that a little bit because we're talking the masses here. And I would like for you to highlight some of that, please. Okay, so one of the things that's really beautiful about uh, the work that I'm doing is that um, it's talking to something that people are already familiar with. We're just dealing with things that people have forgotten. And I'm here to not only gently remind them of what they already are and what they already know, but how to reestablish that connection. And so I say there's no disconnect between your physical experience and your divinity. Your physical experience is just the outpicturing, if you like, or the physical representation of what's going on in divine divine mind and what's going on really inside of you and so I'm not telling people that in order to embrace this philosophy you need to give up your life give up your work and you know retreat to a mountaintop and you know live in sackcloth and ashes I'm saying go to work pay your taxes (laughs) go to the doctor walk the dog do all of those things but recognize that the the way in which you experience your life is teaching you something about who you truly are one of the most beautiful things that teaches us and reminds us who we are is the way that we relate to other people. And are we sensitive to what people tell us? Are we afraid about what they say? Are we worried about in the, way, the ways in which they might judge us? How do we treat people? Are we kind? Are we compassionate if we're in a position of power? Or are we domineering? And all of these things, all of these adjustments, as we take our visual cues or we, take the, the, we interpret the data that comes back to us, what it's supposed to do is to inform us about what adjustments need to be made in us as human beings. So for me, my intention, my whole life intention is to be of service. So I live in deference to this um, gift, for, for lack of a better word, that I have, this ability that I have to shepherd people through this ine- inevitable transformation. We're all going to come to it. People think that life is just normal life. We're born, we live, and we die. But that's not the case. There is actually a lot more to what's going on. And what happens is that you start to remember what's going on because you remember what you're doing here, what your purpose is as part of the great drama that we're all participating in. And that's what I'm doing. I'm telling people, don't be afraid of um, the fact that we are using language like spirituality or consciousness of awareness or anything like that. We're talking to you about things you already know. The beauty is in that um, the fields of psychology and psychiatric medicine already use many of the terms that we use in a metaphysical context. So a, a state like hypnagogia, which is to be in between sleep and wakefulness, which is the optimum condition for metaphysical prayer, is a term coined by psychologists. And so people don't have to feel uncomfortable about that. I'm saying use your everyday lived experience to start to understand why you live as you do and what, you, the, what you're living has to teach you about who you truly are. Girl, you are a powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> you are a, a powerhouse. I'm I'm looking in um, different aspects of of your book, and I do want to urge people to call in. It'd be great to have you connect with Kate. The number is 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. 
we love hearing from you. And we love having the opportunity to check in and, and speak with you. Um, I love how you encourage people to change their identification of the presence and power uh, that we call God and to change that pie in the sky, that personality, that kind of man in the sky, that kind of energy essence. Um, I think that's key to shifting from human to authentic, don't you? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, it, and it's not as scary or as difficult as some people may feel it. So this is why I, I guide them through these very simple steps in experimentation and these exercises to enable them to do just that. Well, I think um, a lot of times what I've urged people to do is to just be in a practice of something for, you know, 30 days, to be willing to give something a try and and to be willing to look at it from that perspective. But I don't think uh, people, because they have been programmed or they've just adapted language that other people use. I realized that, you know, many years ago when I was, um, I always say I'm bilingual, um, and meaning I speak English and Southern. So I hope you find humor in that. But anyway, I, I, you know, growing up in the South, you know, we have sometimes words that we use that other people may not necessarily know what we're talking about. But I did find early on that people taught me certain words that later on someone would correct me or I would go and look them up and that's not what the word really meant. And I realized that I had put all that energy into learning from someone that I just went with what they said. And I I think that's a big distinction for someone to really understand how to work with natural laws, how to work with nature is to really look at in your life how you've just adapted what other people have said and you're just using that. And for me, when I was uh, raised to call God uh, a, a him, um, what I understood later on is that how I was projecting that that essence was like a big parent, you know. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, how often they project like a big parent kind of energy on their creator, and and the use of language around that often gets in the way of opening the door to something new and to something much more authentic. So that was a powerful reality for me is to change the language of how I spoke about God, which then opened the door to how God could speak to me, which was very powerful. As all of you know, we're talking to Kate Jagetti today. Um, she is a powerful presence. She is a, a TV presence. Um, she is an amazing person. You definitely want to look her up. You want to go to Facebook. Catherine Jagetti, author on Facebook. We'll be right back following this short commercial. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. 
If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell from Unity San Diego discussing change and transition. And as we begin to really identify the endings in our lives, to deal with them completely and wholly, to heal from them as we must, as we are willing to be in a time of not knowing, a time of uncertainty, but a time of trusting that there is a blueprint, there is a plan, there is a destiny. As we move successfully through these experiences, we will find that we are evolving and emerging into something new and different. And everyone and everything that has been happening in your life, both the things that are easy and good and pleasant, and those things that are challenging and painful and difficult, are drivers for your own evolution. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Would you like to show your support for Unity Online Radio? You can donate easily on your phone by texting the word VOICE to 50555 and donate $10 to support Unity Online Radio. It's easy to do, and your offering will help us keep inspirational and positive programming on the air. Remember, just text the word VOICE to 50555 and support your favorite shows on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times. And the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Would you like to experience more peace and joy in your life through A Course in Miracles? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley support you in discovering the powerful life lessons available through this unique spiritual thought system that teaches the way to love and peace is through forgiveness. Join Jennifer every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, to experience the healing for yourself on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. I'm talking to Kate Jagetti. She is the author of the book, Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. Uh, I was thinking earlier, um, Kate, that uh, you've been so deeply impacted and your life has been altered uh, from Neville Goddard. And when I reflect upon my life, uh, a key player 
that I studied in research was John Goddard. Um, very interesting, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah. And uh, yes, and John Goddard, you can look him up, and as can others on Google. He was a man that when he was a young boy, he heard the elder people around him talking about their regrets. And he said, that won't be me. And he made a list of a hundred plus things that he wanted to do in his life that were extremely adventurous. And I mean, they weren't like, you know, go to Disney or have three children. I mean, though, that's all admirable stuff. It was like, you know, milk a poisonous snake, you know, climb the highest mountains in the world. I mean, very daring kind of things. But he made his list and through his lifetime, he checked them off. So I did that like 30 years ago. I made my list and I love going back to that list even today and making a check and a check and a check. So anyway, we give thanks for the Goddard people. I'm thankful and I know I know you are as well. And I'm I'm definitely, as Mitch Horowitz said, um, I love Mitch and all the work he does on behalf of New Thought and the history of New Thought. I mean, he couldn't say enough great things about this book because you're bringing back a brilliant um, thought leader in Neville Goddard that his information is just simply transformative to anybody that spends the time and delves into it. In your book, Infinite Possibility, you talk about a magic mirror. Uh, Elaborate on that and explain, you know, what you mean. So this is one of my favorite exercises, particularly for people who are unfamiliar with new thought in general or any type of metaphysical philosophy. And what it is, is it speaks to the way that we treat ourselves and how we form our concept of self. And you were saying before that we can be influenced in that process by what we hear from other people. Someone might hear that they're unattractive or that they're stupid or that they're not going to come to anything. And then they start that process of internalizing it. And then that internalization then is is acted out through the conditions and circumstances of their life. So one of the things that I do in terms of helping people to reposition themselves as the the creator of their own experiences is to attack this concept of self and to begin to work with that um, because it's something anyone can do. It's not uh, airy-fairy. It's not pie in the sky. And so I say when you're getting ready for whatever you're going to do in the day, we spend some time looking in a mirror, in the physical mirror, to check our hair and all the rest of it. And instead of just looking into the mirror and accepting whatever you see, particularly if you feel something uh, negative about yourself, what you're going to do is to close your eyes and imagine that the person reflected back to you is the person you would most love to be. Now, it's important to understand in a metaphysical context, a desire is not something you want. A desire is something that has been made available to you. But it does take some getting used to if you have conditioned yourself to be critical of yourself or judgmental about yourself or if you're worried about yourself in some way. And so for the moment that you're entertaining this wonderful new concept of yourself, you have detached from the one you're dissatisfied with. And the more we do that and the more we become used to seeing ourselves in this new way, we're going to start to see evidenced in our daily lives 
a reflection of that new concept of self. And this is a wonderful way for people to really begin to understand that there is a, a connection between what we say we are and what we go through. So it's a very, very simple exercise. You're going to close your eyes. You're going to have a smile on your face. You're going to just suspend for the two or three minutes that you spend doing this any form of criticism or judgment or fear or care or concern about what anybody has to say about you, whoever that person may be. And you're going to take ownership of yourself in that moment and put in place the most wonderful version of yourself that you can conjure up and start to see how that is uh, reflected in your experiences day to day. Just do it every single day. It's one of the most enjoyable exercises you'll ever do. You really will see um, uh, the benefit in a very, very short period of time. That's extremely powerful. As you was describing that, I was thinking about, you know, it's that well-known image uh, that is a small cat looking into the mirror and sees this huge lion. I, I love I love that an image because you're you're talking about that that power of that attraction that the very thing that you are seeking I love that statement and you thought what I am seeking is seeking me yeah. or the other way of saying that is what I am looking for I am looking with and yes. and in that trajectory that space that holding that essence and that imagery it's amazing how with that intentionality and that focus how you wake up one day and you are there it's very powerful i love it it's it's one of my personal favorites i've had things for years you know um either a, a vision board uh idea treasure mapping and those kind of things of where you have these images of things and it fascinates me how they all come into fruition. And many years ago, someone gave me a poster of Manet's garden in Givenay and uh, outside of Paris. And it was just this beautiful path with these beautiful flowers. And it didn't really warrant that I wanted to hang it in, in my house, but I decided to put it in my garage on one of the walls. And I would see it quite often. And one day in real life, there I am, I'm walking the path, I'm there at the Monet's Garden in Giverney, and I went, well, I just walked right into it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wanted to, to mention, Temple, it's so important when we do all of these exercises that we understand that this is about feeling and contacting that feeling. And when we, uh, when we do that, what we're doing is giving life to this new impression of ourselves or this new concept of ourselves and giving it permission to take on physical form. So when I say to someone, look in the mirror and uh, see something positive about yourself, I'm not asking anyone to say, oh, I look beautiful or I am young or whatever it might be. I want them to really feel that this is not only possible, but it's real. And you can entertain that idea for just a couple of minutes, but the more you do it, the real, the more convinced you become internally that this is true, and you do what we say in metaphysics, you make an impression on consciousness, and you're going to get the response, and the response is the physical manifestation of that impression. And other people will notice it as well. Absolutely. That's you know, like you'll be looking in the mirror going, I love my eyes, and then that day at the office, someone will say, you have the most beautiful eyes. 
noticed. And then you just want to say, thank you for noticing. <laughs> You're probably not going to say, you know, I was thinking that very same thing this morning. <laughs> but it is, it's shifting the reality. We, we truly are shapeshifters. Uh, we have that uh, part of the, like the, the ancient Aborigines, the shamans of, of ancient times that they knew how to shape shift from one space to another. And, you know, when we look at how the pyramids got there, those people had such an incredible hold on what infinite possibilities were like and they exercised them. And I, I love what you're asking us to do. That's very, very powerful. And did you have a personal experience with how that changed for you? In terms of this this exercise in particular, or uh-huh. just in general? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, the magic okay, yeah. mirror. So I actually um used it to to cure myself. When I um was younger I had acne and it was a, a shock to me. I didn't know where it came from because I always had great skin and I always looked very young for my age. And then all of a sudden I had this acne and I couldn't I didn't want to leave my house. I was so ashamed, but I felt that every time I looked in the mirror, I was anxious about it and upset about it. And I didn't really um, give enough attention to the fact that feeling that way was keeping this thing alive on my face. So when I started to do that, I don't even know, I think it must have been about two or three weeks when of, of doing that particular exercise that people started to say, wow, your skin looks great. I didn't even notice that my skin had been clearing up because I was so persuaded in my mind that it was great, that I was no, not uh, worried about it anymore. And then now my skin is absolutely fantastic. And, and I often get asked, what do you do? What do you use? I don't use anything. I use soap and water and moisturizer, if I remember. But this thing is really, really real because if we... Think about, I don't offer any sort of quantum uh, physics explanations for anything. I don't do that, but I do say this. Experience is going to be the best teacher for anyone and provide any evidence that anybody's looking for. So for me, I know from experience that this source of consciousness, which is the creator that I call God, will inform ourselves to behave in a particular way. We're talking about the source from which subatomic particles originate, and science tells us that everything at its most fundamental level is made from the same stuff. And if you know how to talk to the creation, the source creator, you're going to be able to tell your body to behave in a particular way, and that's what I did. I love that. It's absolutely powerful and incredible. And now that you've heard Kate have that expression, you definitely want to go to her Facebook page because she is absolutely, she gives beautiful, a new meaning. Let me just put it that way. She is a beautiful essence and uh, you definitely want to go to her Facebook page. Catherine Jagetti author. Go and check her out and like her page. I know I did. I'm following you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored. I'm such a fan of yours. It's, um, it's untrue. <laughs> I am following you now. And I, I love that photo of you. It's absolutely just spot on. You picked a great one. Let's Thank talk you. a little bit about um, when you talk about the work of Neville in the believing the unbelievable. 
That's a big statement. Yeah, so this is another one that's great for people who are new to this work or people who have come to it before but perhaps didn't get the results that they were looking for. So what happens is when we go to sleep, when we immobilize our physical bodies and our eyes are closed, we are automatically functioning as the formless. We are functioning as consciousness or divine mind. And what I encourage people to do before they sleep is not just to sleep any old how and to sleep with all the weight of the world on their shoulders or whatever they went through that day on their shoulders, but to cultivate a very particular attitude or frame of mind to sleep in. And what that will do is will create very, very powerful impressions on consciousness while you are not doing anything. So while we are engaged with the activities of the day, we're too distracted sometimes to pay attention to how we are feeling, what we're conscious of being, what we're conscious of, of, of um, how we uh, perceive other people and how that informs us. And all of our feelings, our emotions, make impressions on consciousness, and these show up in physical form as the conditions and circumstances that we face day to day. So if as you're going to sleep, bearing in mind that you're not going to be able to do anything while you're sleeping, so there's no point worrying about anything while you're sleeping, if you just um, cultivate a frame of mind, perhaps tell yourself that everything is as you want it to be, then what you're going to see when you wake up next day is some manifestation or representation of that. This is actually training you as you, as you sleep to establish that powerful connection that I spoke about before. And it's not about um, looking at the nitty-gritty or the minutia of this process. It's all about taking a practical ap approach. If you are careful about the mood or the frame of mind in which you sleep, you will begin to see that you're controlling what happens to you in your waking life. And once you do that, your confidence to use this consciously will grow and your ability to use this process effectively will just skyrocket. That's huge. That's extremely powerful. Because that's what's happened to you. And you can hear that. You can hear that <laughs> through your learning with working with this material, that that's how it's impacted your life. And that's what I, I love about uh, interviewing you today and having delved into your work a bit is that you are a messenger that you are walking it, not just talking about it. It was really important for me that anything I said to anyone was something that I had already gone through, experienced and, and put to the test. And I have put these things to the test very, very rigorously over the years that I've been experimenting with this process. So I'm really um, glad that you uh, feel that. I'm, I'm, I feel validated and I feel supported by you saying that. That's absolutely correct. I, like I said, I, I totally am so supportive of, of your work. Um, we have, um, in our culture today, we have a buy-in of, um, you know, you're, you're using some examples in your book of some of the axioms or some of the scriptures that people have taken to control other people and um, dismiss them or create a sense of victimhood. And one of the things that you talk about is, you know, creating an end to suffering. And um, I know that uh, where I grew up, I heard a lot, and I still hear people say that today, 
and I have to offer my unity and science of mind spin on it that <laughs> that's not a statement that is necessarily becoming. And it is this God never gives us more than we can handle. Mm-hmm. And oh, so, um, oh, sorry, continue. Uh, and so, individuals get into this space of that they are not co creating their life, that they are a person that's being done unto. And I love that you address that spot on um, because there's something within a consciousness of an individual that when you decide that life is not about suffering, uh, the suffering dissipates. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's all part of us rediscovering who we are, remembering who we are. And when I talk about an end to suffering, I mean it in a couple of ways. But the overarching idea is that you're taking this event out of context. And through transference into consciousness, as you say, the suffering dissipates. But I also am talking about it in terms of a change of perspective. And you made the very important point that people believe that life is being done to them. And if you accept that, you're never going to position yourself as the creator that you are destined to be. It's an inevitable process. And why should we prolong our suffering when we have an opportunity to put an end to it, quite literally? And in putting an end to it in terms of shifting our perspective is understanding that the events we go through are educative. They're teaching us something. They're not just happening to us. They're happening for us, for a bigger, pers- a bigger purpose. And that was one of the things that I found very, very empowering in, in my own life, particularly at the very challenging moments of my life, whether it was something I was going through or someone I loved was going through by being able to change perspective and say, okay, what is this teaching me? I was able to make discoveries such as I was learning about my capacity to love, my capacity to forgive. It's that perspective that takes the sting out of a lot of the traumas that we go through. Certainly in my experience, that has been the case. And so in this exercise, I'm helping people to actually learn to operate as the formless, as I say, it's one of my favorite words. What I mean by that is not operating through the limitations that are imposed on us through our humanity, but actually beginning to understand that there is infinite possibility through consciousness to resolve things. We may think of half a dozen uh, solutions to a particular problem, but in consciousness there are infinite solutions because suddenly you're making connections with people that you never thought possible, or things are showing up that you didn't think were available to you to make this situation, to resolve the situation in a really effortless way. And this is all about taking back control over your experience in the way that God intends for you. It it seems to me that that sometimes uh, when we're looking at the various things going on in our lives, on some level we've forgotten that we've asked for them. And I'd love what you're saying is that the events that are in your life right now, whomever you are, wherever you're tuning in, the events that are happening in your life right now are really there to really grow the greatest aspects of what you have to offer. I remember in the early days of of ministry, I was uh, experiencing a number of uh, challenges at the time. And 
I said to a couple of therapists, I said, I don't, I don't understand, you know, why this is so uh, tough right now. And, you know, uh, she said to me, because you are very clear that you're here to be great and great people go through great experiences to develop them and bring them more depth and make them more self-aware and those kind of things. And that was the greatest medicine that she could have offered me that day. Cause I went, Oh, okay. <laughs> because excuse me there for a moment, I was starting to get into that old behavior. This was, you know, 25 years ago, I was starting to get into that place of thinking that something or someone was against me and it never is. It never is. It's, it's such a beautiful and important thing for people to understand. And when you do that, you do end your suffering in that way. That's one way in which you can end your suffering. It, it's all about you. It's, it, this is a very individual story. It's a very individual endeavor. Even though we are sharing the planet as a global community, everything that is happening to you is happening for you, not for someone else. And some of us do shy away from things like greatness, we contract ourselves and that causes pain. And it's, it's just an understanding of the way the world operates and how that the operation of the world helps us to step into our true role or our, the, the work that we're supposed to be doing. So what lies ahead for you, Kate? Where, where do so you I'm go from here? I'm finishing my, my second book, which is a, a strange thing because I'm promoting this one and, and working on another one. But the thing I'm most excited about is that um, in a few months, I think, um, I'm going to be able to be meeting people face-to-face -face and working with people in a more sort of personal uh, way rather than just through social media. So I'm really excited about the projects that are in, that are in development. Um, at the moment, I'm happy to interact with people on Facebook, but I'm really looking forward to meeting people and hearing from them and talking to them and sharing with them. Are you going to be coming stateside or? That is on the cards and I'm sort of intending that that all happens um, very soon, um, but I will keep people posted about what's happening with me on uh, my Facebook page. Oh, that's wonderful. So let us know if you're on the eastern side of the United States. It'd be great to hook up with you. <laughs> yeah, I would be on it. Well, in uh, some of our closing moments, um, what would you say are some of the things that you have learned for sure? I think the most important thing is to start your day well and end your day well and to focus on yourself. I think when you're doing that, when you're making a concerted effort to do that, it turns the spotlight in. When we give up this kind of need to police other people's actions, we then have more energy to spend on doing what we are here to do. We also learn what we're here to do. And I don't think that there is anything more empowering or thrilling than actually discovering your unique purpose in the world and that really happens when you are thinking about okay I want to be the best me that I can be I can't control what someone else does but I can be a wonderful person irrespective of what's going on around me and then you're almost gifted if you like the the realization that yes you have an important part to play you can play that part and here's the information to help you do that I think a key word that you're using is space, you know, allow the space for it to occur. And 
it, it that part of it of what you're saying is so true because when people are so other oriented it's such a distraction uh for what could be possible to you as a unique individual you know and um there's some kind of saying that says that small people talk about other people ordinary people talk about ordinary things great people talk about great things something like that you know i think people have rewritten it many times over but that's kind of the jest of it and even people that you know are pushing your buttons out there just remember there's a message in there for you uh and it could be as simple as that you out, have outgrown the need to be concerned but it also could be some wisdom taking you to a new direction it's all design so that you can see the the miracles and the possibilities that are there. I tell you it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I've been really looking forward to connecting with you Kate. I want to thank you for being with us. I want to reiterate to everyone to follow Kate so you can keep up with her new up and coming events and things that she's doing. Go on Facebook to Kate Jagetti author. So Facebook Kate Jagetti author. And you can research, it's Catherine Jagetti, author, actually. But you can research that by going to my page as well. Provided you love these kind of messages, I know you do. Join me at templehaze.com or firstunity.org. It's been a pleasure to have you, Kate. Thank you for being on the Thank show. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.